Welcome back to GA Fan TV. My name is Aaron. I'm delighted to be joined here by Matthew Hurley from the GA Statsman podcast to run through, well, I suppose the last club review show really of the of the year, I suppose you could say, or of the 2022-2023 club season. And we obviously seen our All-Ireland winners at senior level, Ballyhale Shamrocks getting the job done against Dunloy and Kilmuckle Croaks getting the win against uh, Whitey Graham's Glen, of course, as well by two points. Two magnificent wins there for either sides. We will be running through some uh, pre-season results and maybe some talking points around the GEA in regards to pre-season competitions. And I uh, might even touch on the Sigerson Cup maybe briefly as well because I haven't really had too much of a chance to to mention it on the channel in the last couple of weeks. Um, well, obviously, we're discussing the controversy as well around Kilmichael Croaks because that, that certainly has been circling around social media in regards to the Croaks uh, uh, win over Whitey Graham's Glen, and we'll certainly get into the uh, nitty-gritty around that as well. But first of all, Matthew, how is uh, life with yourself? And, I mean, a, a very eventful weekend. And as we were saying off-air there, we have our first controversy of the year. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Aaron. Yeah, um, I suppose the finals today, the hurling, was good quality up until a certain point. Ballyhale ended up, you know, winning it quite easily. But then the second game, like it probably wasn't the best quality of game. I think you mentioned in your match reaction there um, after the match. And uh, yeah, it probably wasn't, but it definitely had its whole load of drama and a whole load of moments as well. That Danny Tallon goal was a brilliant finish in itself. Um, Kill McCord having loads of wide. You were thinking, have they thrown the game away? And then that stuff at the end, like as soon as Morris Brosnan put up that post on Twitter, you knew the GA are going to look into this. And uh, yeah, it's going to be tasty over the next few weeks. We'll talk you off air there. We don't know what's going to happen. The league is going to start next week. And by the time we're getting into the league, then we have the, this final if it's rescheduled. And the whole calendar is going to be an absolute mess after this. So um, yeah, it should be interesting to see how the GA uh, deal with this particular situation. Yeah, Dylan says here, how are you? I'm doing good, Dylan. Hope, uh, hope all is well with yourself. Cheers for tuning in and um and yeah do you know we'll, we'll start with that with, with that controversy right at the end because i don't think it can be ignored obviously it's it's circling all over social media at the minute we have an image here from uh morris brosnan so this was right at full time of the game between chemical croaks and whitey graham's glenn and to refresh people's mind this was obviously the complete you know the last attack in the game you can see uh i think it might be emma bradley maybe standing over that about to about to send the ball in and what's actually ended up after happening is chemical croaks in the first image uh right at the bottom the bottom of your screen you can see 16 players there as we know there should be 15 players obviously on the pitch because that's that's obviously the way the sport is played and then in, in the image on top you can see paul Mannion still on the screen as well so what actually happened was paul Mannion and darren mullen were both subbed off both didn't leave the field in the end so chemical croaks defending that attack with an extra man. Now, you could say Paul Mannion's not involved, and fair enough, he isn't, but he's still on the pitch. And Darren Mullen, clearly, as you see, like we'll get the image on the screen on the screen again. You can see at the bottom of the screen with the circle highlighted there, Morris Brosnan posted this up on uh, on Twitter, so shout out to him. You can clearly see like that's obstructing the view there. And you might say, well, he wasn't involved with the with the ball that was played in, but if he's not there, then that creates space for someone else to go into. So... All of a sudden, a lot of controversy, and um, I mean, what happens next? Like, does it have to be replayed, or what do you think? 
the thing is, though, we were talking off air about it, and uh, you were saying there was two incidents about this that uh, you recalled, and they didn't go to a replay afterwards. Uh, what I was th- or thinking of uh, was a professional sport, soccer, and all that. Celtic went through in the Champions League because of um, an ineligible player or something like that. But um, another situation which uh, caught my eye as well, looking at this, was probably the beat load um, incident of 2010. We're going back to this again. It, there was arguments the game should have been replayed then, and the GA didn't bat an eyelid then to just let me win the game. I honestly think this this situation is nearly the same. Like Loud Mead was obviously more controversial than this. Like it was it was a blatant foul by Joe Sheridan that time. And this incident, like Paul Mannion has nothing to do with it at all. Dar Bullen, it's not really controversial, but there is an argument there. Not for Connor Glass's chance, that was a brilliant save by Connor first, but the very last chance of the game, I'm not sure um who kicked the ball from Matty Graham's name. It's it, it's um escaped from my memory, but there's an argument there that if when he's taking the shot with 15 men on the field, there could have been more space to hit it from. He could have had a better chance for a goal there, which Roddy Graham's then needed to win the game and eventually to topple Kidmacall Crook. So there's a big argument over this. Like, will the GA just leave it there? Will they will they make it a replay? I, I don't know what's going to happen, but they have to. More than anything, Aaron, they have to decide the decision by tomorrow evening, at least. You know, because the GA calendar has gone on way too long now, and there's the league starting next week. We don't want more build up in the calendar and all that. Like I, we're talking off air as well about the impact of the county teams, the relevant county teams involved with the club sides as well. I don't think it'll be a big issue for Dublin because I think Dublin will still go to Division Two pretty simply indeed. But with Derry, therefore, I'm not. It's escaped from my mind again what Derry's first game of the league is next week, but. They're down Connor Glass, Emmett Bradley for next week if if this if this um if this goes to replay. So that's not right either. When Derry were planning with the two lads to play next week in the league, you know, and this is a crucial season for Derry because like they're favourites along with Dublin to go to Division Two. And if if Connor Glass and Emmett Bradley don't play next week, that opens the door for maybe a Cork or Kildare or Mead to you know seize advantage of that. And to be honest, more than I'd like, I'd like Cork to get promoted and all that. But in all fairness, that's wrong as well. Because Derry were expecting the two guys to play next week. They were planning with the two lads. And what makes it even more kind of controversial as well, they're Derry's best two midfielders in Bradley and Glass. And to be with O'Dame in the first week of the league, that's going to be that's going to be a tough one today for Rory Gallagher. Then and um, I know Malachi Roar came out and said it to Carl Kane after the game that it's not the Glen way, it's not his way to complain about this. And we're talking off air as well about the fact that it's not really up to him; it's up to the chairperson. You would think Danny Talon, who took the free, is probably going to get involved in this as well. He's going to have his say. So it's an all it's a big mess. It's a messy situation. But the main thing for me is. And I hope this happens. The GA come up with a decision tomorrow. No, no, no later than that. Yeah, that's what Tom says here. Could this game be replayed or will GA put it under the carpet? Whitey Grahams should have a replay on the 5th of February, says uh, Northern Ireland Railways train spotter. Uh, Dylan says uh, Kerry was playing Limerick today in the Munster League. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get on to that. Uh, I think they'll leave it because of the league coming up. Yeah, I mean it's you know it's it's a very very tough tough answer. Like I mean, where where do you slot the game in? I mean, as I was saying to you off air as well. Like I think if the game was level after extra time, 
it would have went to a replay. So I presume the GEA had some sort of scenario built up in their heads where the game was going to be played. And I know obviously TG Cahar are shown, I think, two games on Sunday. Maybe one of those games would have been deferred coverage in the end. Um, and and Kilmichael Croaks, Whitey Graham's game would have got the slot on the on the Sunday. Dublin are playing Kildare at 5 p.m. on Saturday next week. So it definitely wouldn't have been on Saturday. But yeah, like it, it like I think the fair decision is to play a replay, but there's a lot of question, you know, if buts and maybe sort of in regards to this. And I think from a Kilmichael Croaks point of view, they'll probably look at it and think, well, like, you know. Yeah, it's it's such a tough one. I mean, I don't really know what what. I mean, I mean, the the right thing really should be to play the game again. But Croaks might say, well, you know, the referees didn't catch us, so you know, it's it's a very hard one, isn't it? It is, I suppose. If it was just Paul Mannion on the field, there would have been wouldn't have been controversy at all because you could clearly see from Mars Brent uh, Brosnan's image on Twitter, he has no influence on the play whatsoever. But the fact. The controversy comes with Dar Mullen being in the vote, and he's right in the middle of the goal, you know. So that doesn't look good. I, I honestly think, um, do we think Glenn deserve a win after today or a draw after today after today's performance? I don't think so, personally, because I think they threw the game away with about two or three goal chances, particularly towards the end of the game. There was one with Stevie O'Hara, there was one with Connor Glass, and deservedly. Kilmico Croke should get their hands and or keep their hands on the All Ireland title. But again, we go back to the argument like if Darren Mullen isn't there, what would have happened? And we do, we don't know what's, what what um, is going to happen because we don't have them kind of resources here with us. So you know it's it's a very tough call for the GA to make. I honestly think look at the game, Kilmico deserved to win it. And they and Glenn, to be honest with you, I don't think would have had qualms about this unless they seen the image after the game. If they didn't see the image, I'll put it this way, they would have no qualms about the result because they, they would have thrown it away. But now they've seen the image, this is this is gonna get messy. It's gonna be a really a really messy situation. Hopefully they come up with a decision tomorrow, but ultimately I think Hilmicote des- deserve to win the game. There shouldn't be any qualms about it, but with Darren Mullen. And front and centre of the photo, there's going to be controversy in the next few days over it. Yeah, like, and if he wasn't there, maybe the same thing would have happened. Like, the, you know, you, you just don't know. Like, it's, like, rarely do you see these late goals go in anyways. Um, but then again, the same thing happened to Kimmel Crokes a year previously where they did concede a late goal. And you just don't know. Like, it, you know, obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing, as they say. And unfortunately, we, we just don't know what would have happened. But, yeah, like the two times previously that this has happened, uh, from what I remember anyway, was Charlie Redmond in Dublin versus Toronto in 1995. He did leave the pitch eventually, but he stayed on for, I think, 10 minutes after being sent off. Um, so that wasn't really and got to do with substitutes as such. Um, and then I think there was another scenario as well involving a Cork minor team, I think, where a player didn't leave the pitch after, after being sent off. So... It kind of is a, a hard one to know. Like in the past, they they haven't done anything about it, but as you said, there, like you know, it's it's very hard for the GA to ignore this. Like I think in '95, and I think the other incident that took place in the early 2000s, you know, like the GA could probably get away with it more back then because there was no social media, there was no outrage. Whereas now, you know, like they they can't get away from it. So I think Monday morning, 9 a.m., they need to come up with a decision. In my opinion. They have to, yeah. There's there's no other arguments over that. And the decision has to be announced at the latest tomorrow evening. 
Absolutely. Like, there's no other way around it. If you notice on Tuesday or Wednesday, then you have the league coming up at the weekend. And then the whole situation is saying, I mean, going belly up. Like, when you look at next Sunday's fixtures, for example, um, I looked on TG Carr there, and I looked on GA Go as well. There's about to be three fixtures on TG Carr next Sunday. So, like, it's, it's going to be a huge fixture come um, pile up if the GA takes action over this. I, I don't know what they're going to do. We're suggesting something off air as well. I think the hurling league is um, it, it's only it's specifically only hurling league for the third week of the Alliance League season, but that's three weeks away. Like like the players are nearly their their minds of the game will nearly be gone by then. It's too long a gap. So like, there's a lot of decisions for the GA to make, but the key to, thing is make it by tomorrow evening. If you make it by Tuesday or Wednesday, it's too late. And when you look at the games next weekend, there's a huge pileup of TV deals and stuff like that. There's BBC Northern Ireland showing a game. There's RT showing a game. TG Carr overall are showing four games next weekend. And if this game is going to be replayed, there could be there could be five. So this is going to be a big, big decision for the GA to make. They have to make it by tomorrow. There's no other uh, solution here. Yeah, like may, maybe the 6th of February could be a solution. The bank holiday Monday. Um, again, like maybe it's maybe not ideal for supporters to kind of be traveling down on on, on bank holidays and all the rest, but maybe that might be a solution. But another thing I, I was thinking as well is you think back to when Mead won that Leinster title in 2010, and you know it's it's mad when you speak to a lot of Mead supporters nowadays because when you speak to them about 2010, they, they nearly don't want to speak about it, and they're the ones who won the Leinster title. Do you know what I mean? There's always going to be an asterisk, you know, behind. Meads or beside Meads last Leinster title win until they go and win another one. And you look at Kilmichael Croaks here, it's not as bad as that in, in terms of, you know, they didn't win with a controversial goal or anything like that, but they did win illegally, you could say. And <laughs> there's always going to be a bit of an asterisk beside this all order for Kilmichael Croaks until they go and win another one or the game is replayed. There's an argument about that, all right, but to compare, that's like comparing apples and oranges at the same time. I know what you're saying, it is illegal what Chemical did, uh, literally. But at the end of the day, when you look at the performance, like I looked at the full game today, and I thought Chemical were a much better team. I thought Glenn threw it away towards the end of it. I think Kilmacud pushed up with the kickouts expertly. I think their subs that brought they brought on, especially Keane O'Connor, made a huge influence on the game. We loud and meet. Low deserve to win it. It's as it's as simple as that. Like um, even when they got that goal towards the end, that like they missed so many chances. Low even had a guy sent off, and Low were still the much better team than Mead. And then Mead get a fluky goal and win the game. And there was huge injustice for this. But for the incident today, I don't think it was injustice at all. It's just if spots and maybes. Like like what would have happened if Darren Mullen would have been off the field? But overall. Before before you take the subs into consideration in that same moment in additional time, Kilmacud were the much better team today. There was there was no arguments about that. I I, I honestly, um, from a neutral, I wanted Jane to win it because of Kilmacud. You know the controversy with Shane Walsh and all that, and um, the fact well they are a Dublin team and I, I'd rather the Derry team win over the Dublin team. But even I, I'm thinking, Kilmacud deserved to win it. There, there's no arguments about that. Whereas the Loud and Meath game, Loud deserved to win it. So I don't think there'll be as much uproar thinking about it now as back in 2010. 
there could still be uproar because of um, the images and all that. But when you put it on, when you um, you know go over the tapes, Kilmer Gold were the much better team and uh, deserve to win. Yeah, like it's it, it is mad, all right, and it will be interesting to see obviously what 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 the GEA comes up with as well. Like you kind of wonder how it happened as well. Like you know, like I, 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 I do I do remember seeing Darren Mullen come off the pitch. I think that might have been after the free. So I, I don't understand like what happened. Like how did he like was, was there? There must have been some breakdown in communication or whether they done it on purpose. I I really really don't know. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, but. Uh, Dylan does say here, Croaks deserve the win because Glenn fumbled the ball a lot like Derry did against Galway, but it's very controversial at the moment. I would just give a red card like punishment to Mullins for not going off the field. Yeah, yeah, may, may, maybe you could give out an individual punishment there, but, you know, look look for Glenn. Like, they're, they're going to want to push it for a replay as much as possible because they did lose the game. So, I mean, they, they want a chance to replay it and win it. Um but um, but yeah, but I suppose looking at the game, then obviously, I mean, as you were saying there, like it wasn't the best spectacle in the world, to be honest. Like it wasn't the greatest game of Gaelic football. It was quite slow in the first half. Obviously, uh, Glenn got that early goal from Danny Tallon, and you know, Kilmacal Croke sort of gradually worked their way back into it. But as you said, Glenn had some big, big opportunities to win this game, and I suppose fluffed their lines in the end. They did, and it's weird because Kim McCall were fluffing their lines in the first half, and you were thinking, are, are they going to make the same mistakes as last season? Like there was, well, I actually put up an image on Twitter. I don't usually do this at halftime now, but the shot selection for Kim McCall Croaks. When you look at actually, when you're looking for the Glenn point of view, for the left hand side, Kim McCall missed all their chance from that side. You know, it was incredible. Like the Craig Diaz chance, Paul Mannion hitting the post, uh, Shane Walsh dropping a free shot, and you're thinking, do Kim McCall have the bottle here? Are they, are they going to bottle this all or vinyl? And Glenn seemed to be kicking them left, right, and centre over the bar. But when it came to the ball, when it came to the last few minutes, Glenn fumbled it. Like the Stevie O'Hara chance was a big one. Um, he could have played it across to Alex Doherty to get it happen, but instead he went himself. He could have even fisted it over the bar. You know, I think I think there was an incident I was watching the other night, uh, the McGrath Cup final, Cork and Limerick, Cork. Had the chance to go six points up with a goal, four points up um, with a point, but John O'Rourke had the presence of mind just to fist it over the bar. That's maybe what Steve O'Hara should have done, fisted it over, maybe making a level game, and then going to the last few minutes. But as it turned out, Shane Walsh scored that last three, and then Glenn were chasing after that. And um, like they weren't lucky, granted that Connor Glass chance, unbelievable save by Connor first. Like when you look at it on the replay, look at it from behind the goal, it was an outstanding save, tipped along the post. And then that last chance as well, which went wide, but you could forgive him for that because that wasn't actually in the rectangle towards the end of it. And yeah, Kim McCall won the game. And really, when you look at the stats and subs, actually, Kim McCall made five substitutions, Glenn made two. And that's probably the difference between the two squads in many ways. Like Kim McCall could afford to bring off Paul Mannion and bring on the likes of Keane O'Connor. You know, they have outstanding players on the bench. They have the likes of Tom Fox on the bench, Shane Horn, who's an awfully senior. You know, that, that's incredible. And they all, those were the difference in the end for Chemical Crows. But honestly, I thought the guy that made the difference in the defence, particularly for them, was Theo Clancy. I thought he was superb, like uh, cleaning yeah. up ball, like um, going front of his man and all that. Like, Danny Talon seemed to get the better of him in the first half with that dummy, brilliant finish, by the way. 
But Theo Clancy seemed to suss him out in the second half. And that was a big difference in the game. I think one of his turnovers actually resulted in the Keane O'Connor point, which was crucial in what, what way the game went. So, yeah, I think he had an outstanding game. Kilmacott had an outstanding second half. But honestly, I think Glenn, when you look at the goal chances, when you look at the chances to just tap it over, fist it over, Glenn kind of blew it. Yeah, like I think neither team played to their best, to be honest. I don't think, you know, and, and as you said there, with came up with Crokes. I mean, I think in total, maybe out of 18, 19 scoring chances, like their conversion rate must have been terrible, to be honest with you, because in the first half, like, I, I don't know what was going on. Like, Walsh dropping that one short was so uncharacteristic, to be honest with you. Mannion hitting the post. Like, you could kind of, you could see Mannion missing a couple of the opening chances and you could probably put down to rustiness. He's coming back off a bit of a you know long-term injury. There's probably going to be, you know, there's got it's going to take him a bit of time to sort of get get up to grips with the game and with the speed of the game. In fairness, but yeah, like they were just shooting from ridiculous angles and their composure was quite poor. Like, what do you think? Was it nerves? Do you think? And given everything that's sort of been built on Kilmichael Croaks, like you think back to last year losing that final. This year, like from day one, they've been a lot of people's favourites. They guess Shane Walsh. You know, and they've they've had this favourites tagged for so long. So, what do you think? Was it was it nerves or what do you reckon? It probably was nerves, considering what happened last year. Like I think, um, who's um, talking? I think Darren Mullen actually mentioned it on in the interview. Uh, what I think it was either Robbie Brennan or Darren Mullen mentioned it on TG Car afterwards that the Kilcoo game kind of played in their minds last year. Like it was just heartbreaking. The way they lost us, and on another day, Kilmacud could have easily won that game. Honestly, like it probably it had to be nerves. Like Paul Mannion's even you talk with Shane Walsh's uncharacteristic misses. Paul Mannion, I think, missed three chances in the first half. You know, maybe it was him coming back from injury, and maybe you know he wasn't up to match sharpness. I don't know, but Shane Walsh, there wasn't really an excuse. So I don't know how he missed those. Gilded chances. Craig Diaz, I think, had three shot, four shots in the first half overall. He only converted one, which wasn't good at all. Um, like he's usually very accurate in, overall in the Kilmacud's campaign. But as I mentioned there, the subs that came on actually made a huge difference. Keen O'Connor kicking that point towards the end um, there. Dan O'Brien kicked one of his shots. Shane Cunningham and Darren Mullen were two forwards. They weren't the glitz and the glamour like Mannion or Shane Walsh or Shane Horn with um, inter-county standards. But two of them kind of dragged him McCoy kicking and screaming to the final at times in their in their campaign. Like I, I recall Shane Cunningham and Darren Mullen hitting the lights out in the Leinster Championship, and they did so again today, four points between them. Like that was outstanding score, a scoring rate for them. But yeah, the first half was very, very poor. They hit seven wides overall. They had a 50% uh, shot conversion rate in the entire game. Well, to be honest, Glenn at 58%, so that's not much better. It probably just epitomises the quality of the game in general. It wasn't great. But the main thing was for Kilmacud, they got over the line for the first time since 2009. And yeah, that was the main thing about this Kilmacud team. And it was the team throughout the championship when you think about it. Even against the FINA, they didn't play well in the Dublin final. They still won the game. Against Nace, at times, Nace had them on the ropes and still won the game. The semi-final, they didn't play well against Kieran Durali, still won it. So that was the team for Kilmacud and they carried that on to today. Yeah, and you look at the performances of Dara Mullen and Shane Cunningham. Like I think if this was for any other county, I think Craig Diaz, you put him in the same conversation. Multiple Kilmacud Croaks players, but in particular, I look at Dara Mullen. I mean, his performance performances 
for Kim Croaks have been nothing short of sensational, really. Like his performance today was unbelievable. I mean, he, he kicked two points, but he was setting up scores. He was tracking back defending. He was playing as an extra man in midfield. Like surely, surely Desi has to bring him into the Dublin panel. I understand if he doesn't start because there's a lot of very good Dublin players, but surely he, you know, has a claim to come into the panel. Like to be honest with you, given his form and everything else, like fair enough, there might be a bit of a break now for for him over, over the next couple of weeks, and he won't be rushed into things. But like, if Scully isn't fit and available, I'd start him because I think he's the perfect man to do that role. Mm. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one. Like um, another chemical player, player, I'm thinking that has to make it on the Dublin squad. And I've been seeing it for years and years on your channel now. Dan O'Brien, how yeah. he hasn't actually got picked and the starting at 15 for Dublin. Never mind the squad; it's unbelievable. Like even his point today when Kilmer got back, they needed it. It was superb. Like when you look at Dublin's defenders, if they had Dan O'Brien to the equation. You have John Small, who I think is one of the best centre-backs in the country. You have James McCarthy, whose experience is vital. Lee Gannon there as well, who's superb. Mick Fitzsimons is still um, you know, still around the panel as well. Look, the defence will be even much stronger then if you add Dan O'Brien to the panel. And especially with Johnny Cooper gone, it's a no-brainer. You know, He has to be on the panel. Darren Mullen as well. Shane Cunningham could be um, a dark horse. Craig Diaz, but you have to argue... He's probably nearing his 30s now, if he's not 30. So, like, I think the ship is sailed there. Paul Mannion probably has to start next week as well. So, there's a lot of Cold players that would definitely be up for um, being selected on the Dublin squad. But for me, I know Darren Mullins performed excellent throughout the club campaign. And especially today, his tracking back, his scoring rates was absolutely incredible. But for me, if there's any Cold player to break on the Dublin team, it has to be Dan O'Brien because of Johnny Cooper's retirement and basically because Dublin badly needs a very good defender like him. Yeah, I, th I think I think absolutely. Like, And I think when you look at Mick Fitzsimons as well, who's been a, a fantastic servant for Dublin down the years, but he's been playing since 2011, 2011, 2012. Like he's, you know, like he's probably only got realistically, I'd say two years max left at, you know, playing senior into county level football before he before he, he leaves, um, you know, possibly even sooner. Maybe he might stay on longer. I don't really know. But I think there there is change there with, with that defensive line with James McCarthy maybe getting older as well. So um there there definitely is changes coming and bringing in someone like a Dan O'Brien, Theo Clancy, I think um would add a lot of solidity hopefully to, to that Dublin defence. Yupla says uh, can't wait for the league. Me too, me too. Uh, Diaz struggled to get on the score sheet. A lot of missed shots. And would Kilmacud be good enough to be a lower tier side like L London or Wexford? Yeah, yeah. Like, like it, yeah, it's, a, I mean, like obviously Kilmacud Crokes are a huge club. Like they probably actually have more members and more resources than probably the vast majority of counties. Like I think there's more members playing for Kilmacud Crokes than there is, I think, like in in the entirety of Leitrim, the Leitrim Club Championship, or something of that nature. So um, yeah, they, they probably would, but like it's it's you know it, it shouldn't. They they probably should, to be honest. When you look at what they what they have, um, looking at it from a Watty Grange Glen perspective, obviously a lot of disappointment from them finishing with one nine. I mean, they started so so strong though. Like they hit one three early on in the opening fourteen minutes. Danny Talon got that early goal, and we were mentioning how good Chemical Croaks have been defensively. And I'm saying this to Shea Brady during the week as well, like in terms of 
they haven't conceded a goal since they played Thomas Davis in the Dublin club semi-finals. So for what Graham's Glen to get that start, like massive disappointment in the end that they couldn't see it through. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, I mentioned the scoring rates in the first half as well. Watty Graham's Glen seemed to be kicking them over the bar from all angles. I think they'd only, I'm checking home, but I think they only had one white in the whole of the first half, which was incredible. Um, starts there. Um, like they, they were incredible in that first half. I think they had only one shot as well. Yeah, they had uh, six shots and they converted four in the first half compared to Kimber Codes converting five out of 12. So it probably just showed what Graham's claimed when they got the ball, when when they got it up to the forwards, they were delivering and they were absolutely incredible in the first half. The problem was the kickouts for them in the first half. And I think, honestly, killed them once Kimber Codes had the plan then at the end of the first half to push up with them. And then Connor Glass, for some reason, wasn't winning them. I, I don't know, that was, again, we were talking about uncharacteristic performances from Shane Walsh and Paul Mannion. It was kind of an uncharacteristic performance for Connor Glass as well. I know that's very harsh. He's had an outstanding 2022, probably one of the best 2022s, other than the man himself, David Clifford from Kerry. But like today, I don't think he was that good, in all honesty. I thought um, he fumbled the ball a lot. I thought... He was very bad in the kick. I think Craig Diaz dealt with him very, very well in midfield. And yeah, they, they, were, they weren't great in that department, but shooting-wise, I thought they were absolutely superb in that first half. And then the second half, it seemed to really, really die off. They hit five five chances in Gonorrhea. I think they had, they had uh, one miss from um, Stevie O'Hara, that, that chance in front of the goal. Like He has to get something out of that. You know, Connor Glass had been one saved. They had two other wides as well, and they had the one at the end as well, which just drifted wide. So, like, they did a load of chances missed in the second half, and ultimately that was the difference. It will be a learning curve when you look at the when you look at the trajectory. Actually, Kilku before their All Ireland final last year, they were the last All Ireland final and lost it. Kilmacud were in the same situation today, and they won today as well. Like, if that trajectory keeps on going, Glen could win the All Ireland next season, and it's not. Um, among the ribs of possibility like they're an outstanding side and definitely they'll learn from their experiences from this but um, yeah they, they will ruin the chances today the chances missed and the fact they didn't get their kick out their kick out sorted sooner yeah Connor Glass was off it today still had a great year he's due his credits yeah like he's, he's had a phenomenal year and I mean, what a story that would have been if he if he puts that opportunity in the back of the net, as you said. Like he he hasn't ha- he didn't have his best game by any stretch of the of the imagination. Um, you know, I think he's had an unbelievable year. He's had a very long year as well. When you think of, you know, how far Derry went in the championship, the tough games that they've played. Like, there's a lot of mileage on those legs there. But yeah, like I mean, like in terms of those missed chances, obviously they missed a couple of chances with Stevie O'Hara. Connor Glass, like, do you think that's the main reason where it went wrong for for what Graham's Glen, or do you think there was anything else maybe they they should have focused on that might have maybe contributed to getting them this All Ireland win? I think it was honestly the missed chances at the end. When you when you look at the chances overall, Kim McCord actually had more chances, seven more chances than what Graham's Glen. So the key aspect for them was if they lost by two points, so they at least had to put one of them chances away. You know, or even Steve O'Hara, that situation. I think they were level at that point. Correct me from in the comments if I'm wrong now, but if they were level at that point, the option put or they were one point down to make it level at that point, put it over the bar, make it a level game, and then contest the kickout. You know, it's just that game management. And Kimball Code had that today. 
because they had the experience of losing the final last year against Kilhu. And Scotty Grimsley just didn't today. I thought, I thought they were outstanding throughout the club campaign. They were brilliant in the semi-final against Mike Cullen. They were outstanding against Kilku. They 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 play an effective style of football. I'll say I'm not saying it's an it's not um it's not enjoyable or anything. It's not probably great on the eye for people up and down the country, but it's very, very effective. And they definitely played to played it to a T up until today. But it was just their game management against a more experienced side, and that probably just cost them in the end today. And yeah, I think. In this situation next season, if Glenn were to get to the honour in the final course, I think they'll win it because they'll have the experience of losing this season, like Kilmacott last season, like Kilcrew the year before, and like other great teams as well. You have to lose a final before you can go on and eventually win one. So Glenn will take advice from the likes of Kilcrew, the likes of Kilmacott, and take it into next year again. But yeah, Ulster's going to be very, very tough again next year to get out of view. Look at Kilcrew will be right back at it. Eric Kieran have good young players coming through. Um, think, and, um, there's a few Bally Bay, uh, Pierce oh, brothers are going cross. Again. Uh, yeah, there, there's a very, very good um, size up and down Ulster. So, yeah, it's going to be very tough again to get out of. But if Kilku can win two in a row, why can't Watty Graham's going Yeah, and I suppose last question on this game. I mean, Kilmuckle Croaks were within inches of winning the All-Ireland last year. They've won the All Ireland unless it does get replayed. Um, even if it does get replayed, I think they'll still be favourites, and, and they could easily possibly go and and win it again. Um, but provided anyway, they 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 are the champions, and and that is what happens, or or whatever goes from there. I mean, like as I was saying, there they were in the final last year. They had the pull of getting Shane Walsh into their team. They've huge resources, huge club members. Could they possibly go on and and dominate a bit, and maybe? Possibly even win another few All Irelands in the next couple of years. I think the advantage they actually have is Leinster is so weak. Like no disrespect to the other Leinster counties, I just think like when you look at the it's like Rattles and the Downs was a very good semi final to watch. It was very entertaining, but when you look at the quality there, it wasn't there unfortunately. And um, you look at Port Arlington, we thought they'd put up a really good challenge. Nice as well and. Nace lost by nine points. Port Arlington only scored, I think, two points for play, four points overall in the game against uh, Kilmacott. And they just weren't good enough. Like the Downs weren't good enough in the first half either. So I think that will be to Kilmacott's advantage. I think the main objective for Kilmacott is to get past Dublin next season. Nafina will be out for blood next year. Like Ballymun Kickhams, like you look at their players in the panel, there has to be a kick in, in that panel when you look at the, the names rolling off the sheet there. Uh, Bally Bolt and St. Enders, like they've done well in the club championship over, over the last few seasons. You would think there's a kick in them. So, what, Whitehall, Colin Kill, why not as well? So, I think the main thing is to get out of Dublin next year. And if they get out of Dublin, they'd probably be favourites for the All Ireland again because Leinster is just so easy. It's, it's almost like the Dublin side, once they get out of it, then they're going to win it again because I just don't think there's the quality in Leinster anymore. You know, it's it's gone from inter-county and it's filtered into club as well. So I don't think it's there. When you look at the other provinces, uh, Mike Cullen could be a shout in the next year. I think they have very good uh, players in the panel. I think Westport, like Lee Keegan, has all the eggs in the basket now for club. Maybe Westport could uh, make a push at us. Kilku will be back again. Uh, Errol Kieran, Cross McLean Rangers. And in Munster, I think the only... 
the only club that's capable of winning the All Ireland, in my honest opinion, for Munsters is St. Finbars. So, look, when you look at the clubs out there, I think the main the main ones to get past are probably going to be my Cullen or any side up in Ulster for Glimmer Code. If they get past them or any side in Dublin, I think anything's possible for them. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely definitely will be interesting nonetheless. We'll move on to the Club Hurling final then. It was Ballyhell Shamrocks 122, Dunloy 115, a seven-point victory in the end for Ballyhell Shamrocks. Maybe in a similar fashion to Kimmel Croaks, like they were favourites. They were certainly more heavy favourites than what Kimmel Croaks were, but they were far from convincing, really, Ballyhell Shamrocks. They were nowhere near their best, I felt. I think a lot of credit has to go for to, to Dunloy and, and how they played and you know, like they gave this game a much closer rattle than what people would have expected. But it was a seven point victory in the end for, for Ballyhale Shamrocks. And really in those final 10 minutes, that was really when Ballyhale put the, you know, the, the sword down and in the end got the job done. Yeah, it was competitive for at a point. Yeah, it was very, very competitive. When you look at Ballyhale Shamrocks, they were very sloppy. 10 wise overall, 41 shots, 23 scores, like... That wasn't really good enough to win that Ireland final, but and Dunloy only a three wise to their credit. Like in the first half, I found with Dunloy as an underdog should in in so many games. Like we're saying this about uh, Leinster counties against Dublin, so many times we're mentioning the Leinster counties. If they just put easy shots over the bar, they could be winning a whisker of Dublin. And when you look at Dunloy today, three wide overall, and in the first half, every shot they took seemed to went, go over the bar. It was incredible, really, an incredible attacking performance from Dunloy. Conan Coney was brilliant on freeze. Uh, Rowan Malloy scored an outstanding goal. Uh, Paul Shields, Owen Quinn's point as well, was a bit of quality from corner back. So credit to Dunloy, absolute credit. They were brilliant today. Um, I didn't expect them to be as close as they were to Ballyhill. I think seven points is a bit flattering. I think Ballyhill weren't that much ahead of Dunloy. Dunloy really covered themselves in glory, but one player we have to talk about is Owen Cody. One five in play. And I mentioned on Twitter today, is he a bit underrated? I know someone was mentioning in the comments of that tweet that he's won two young players of the year. But I'm taking from the context, he should be up there with the likes of Aaron Galan, uh, TJ Reid, all them great players, Tony Kelly, all them great players in the country because he's been doing it year in, year out. His scoring record for play particularly is incredible. It's unmatched. It's it's really, really good. 1-5 from play today, 1-3 in the first half. That goal that he got was absolutely crucial as well. TJ was brilliant for free. The shot he got from play was superb out of this world. Very good point from near the sideline. Colin Finley stood, stood up when counters. Evan Sheffield stood up as well. Darren Corcoran, Brian Cody coming off the bench after a long layoff as well. So Ballyhale, it was a bit like him in the sense as well. The Ballyhill had the subs coming off the bench and Dunloy just didn't have the squad. And that was a main difference as well today. But yeah, Ballyhill, what a club they are. Nine All-Ireland titles for a, a so-called small club in Kilkenny. Like, it probably just shows you um, a crossroads can be successful in the All-Ireland club scene. Yeah, like, and do you think a case like for, for Owen Cody, do you think it even is maybe as well that Obviously, when he's playing for Kilkenny, you've got TJ Reid there in the background who sort of everyone looks at as the main man. And it's probably similar with Ballyhale Shamrocks as well. And you think of the amount of legendary hurlers that have played for Kilkenny down the years, the likes of TJ Reid, Henry Shefflin, DJ Carey, 
Richie Power. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And Owen Cody playing for Kilkenny and playing for Ballyhale Shamrocks, probably getting compared with those players a lot of the time when actually he's his own type of player. And he's even proven now time and time again that he, he you know, he can do it consistently. So it's probably a case of a lot of people are comparing him to those legends of the game when he is still very young as well. Yeah, exactly. But see, when you look at his scoring record, he has to be compared to the legends of the game. And even Aaron Galan, oh, oh, um, Tony Kelly, even the players now, like I hear some people thinking that most of the car team is better than uh, Owen Cody. And I'm thinking, why? Seriously, what, what have they done that Owen Cody hasn't done? He scored 1 5 in an All Ireland final today. And when you look at his scores for play, they're incredible. And there is an argument, yes, TJ's in the team, and rightly so, TJ has brought the levels so high. His scores today for play, particularly, was one of the scores of the year already in 2023. It was absolutely superb. Like the way it was it just looked so effortless at times as well. I agree to the extent like going Cody has to compete with that. But even when TJ is performing so well, Owen Cody is still putting up unbelievable scores on the board as well. And that just shows you what a good player he is and why he's so underrated to the general population in the hurling, hurling community. In terms of ranking where he is, in terms of um, where he is and the best player in the country, I would think Tony Kelly is number one. Would you even put him... I'd probably put TJ number two and I'd probably put... Maybe Sean Finn number three and him number four. But I think Old Cody would be definitely way up there. He'd definitely be up there with the likes of Sean Finn and uh, TJ Reid and Tony Kelly, most definitely. But I just don't think people give him the credit that he, he deserves, really. I think he's an outstanding hurler and he scored one five today for a reason. Unbelievable. So even the score in the second half, when Bally Hale were struggling and Dunlop were slowly creeping back into the game, he gets the ball on the sideline and then he whacks it over the bar effortlessly. You know, it's, it's an incredible skill, incredible temperament for the lad as well. As you have to remember, like people talk about David Clifford being generational football. Old Cody's nearly the same age, and he's putting up ridiculous scores for Kilkenny and Ballyhead Shamrock. So I'm just wondering why he's not talked in an unbelievable ilk in the intercounting game uh, by many people. Yeah, it's interesting, all right. It's maybe because, like, in terms of his highlights package, maybe. Like from when I've watched him, I think he is a skillful hurler, but maybe like his his highlights reel won't look like a Gerald Hegarty or as you said, a David Clifford in football. Um, you know, and it, it is an interesting one. He probably just doesn't doesn't quite get the, the credit he deserves. But Jack says Bally Hale played okay, Dunloy were good, but never looked like losing. Yeah, like I think Bally Hale really didn't need to get out of third gear, like the ring cruise control really throughout the game. Um and even if they didn't have that late surge, I think they still would have just about managed to, to get over the line, to be fair. But we were saying there about, or you were saying there about um, Ballyhale winning uh, nine All-Orleans, I think it is now. They've obviously won three in the last four years, um, or three of the last four All-Orleans that were available. They narrowly lost the All-Orleans final to Ballygunner last year. Do they go down as one of the greatest club teams of all time, greatest club hurling team of all time, or do they need maybe another All Ireland to to cement that? I think in terms of where Ballyhale has come from, I think you have to rank them as one of the best uh, club sides of all time. Definitely, like like uh, Carfin. I'm not sure about Carfin. No, um, correct me, God, be fans, if I'm wrong about this, but 
Corfin have a pretty big pool. Kim McCall definitely have a big pool. And uh, Dublin Vincent's have a big pool. Ballyhill Shamrocks is basically a crossroads, you know. And to win nine All Ireland titles, it's incredible, really. And it, it just you just have to wonder how are they coming up with these amazing players like Owen Cody, TJ Reid, all in one generation. The likes of Joey Holden, Colin Finley, Paddy Mullen, Adrian Mullen, who wasn't even playing today. You know, Adrian, like we forgot to mention Adrian Mullen. What yeah. an unbelievable player he is. Like, they have outstanding players all over the team. And personally, like I think Cora Finn's achievements is definitely up there because football's a harder, um, you know, a sport and a hurling in terms of, you know, inclusivity and all that. I think all 32 countries play football and then hurling, there's only a select few. So there's that argument as well. But in terms of where Ballyhale has come from, the small club that so many people say they are, I think they have to be ranked like nine All Ireland titles, the most in history of uh, All Ireland hurling. I mean, the, it, it's unmatched, really. It's incredible. Um, when you look, when when you compare it, actually, Ballyhale Shamrocks is the most in hurling, and that's only a crossroads. The Rangers is mostly mostly a city club in Cork, and they have the most in football, and they have a pretty large pool as well to pick from. So, like, like that's no comparison. So, Ballyhale. I think when you're judging by that, Bonnie Hale's achievements are unmatched. It's incredible the way they've risen through the ranks, the way they've won nine all the titles. And yeah, for me, in terms of um, you know starting from the bottom, Bonnie Hale are up there with one of the best teams of all time. Yeah, I agree as well. Like I think, I think it is incredible. Like I think there must be something in the genes there. I don't know what it is. You know, I don't know what it is. What's going on there? But like you think of even the great Henry Shefflin as well, and. Plenty of other players down the years that that have come from that club, um, and and as you said there, like I mean, their their team would probably beat most county sides like up up and down the country. I mean, that they're, they're that good. They have the spine of the of the Kilkenny side. Um, I suppose from a Dunloy per- perspective, as we were saying there, like definitely gave a great account of themselves. It's been a great year for them uh, getting to an All Ireland final, beaten by seven points in the end to a team like Ballyhale Shamrocks, who we've literally just said, um, could very well be the greatest club team of all time. So, I mean, Dunloy, they can go home with their with their heads held high. Absolutely, yeah. They've, they've um, done everybody proud up in Antrim even, at the whole county. I think they've been absolutely incredible all season. Like, to beat St. Thomas's in the semi-final was brilliant. To beat Schlott Neal was very good as well in up in Ulster. And to give the count to themselves today, like, we mentioned, I mentioned as well with uh, so many Leinster sides with Dublin or uh, Cork with Kerry or Tipperary with Kerry and Munster in football particularly. What frustrates me about the underdog is so many wides they have and they're so inaccurate in their shooting. You're thinking if they just put them points over the bar, they could be within a whisker. But when you look at Dunloy today, every hot shot they took, it was going over the bar effortlessly. It's, it was incredible. To see that from Dunloy, the only three whites today, they definitely covered themselves uh, brilliantly today. Akila Malloy, excellence as well, uh, Conal Cunning. And there's a few of them players that could be putting their hands up to Darren Gleeson for Antrim, I think. Um, they, they look a very good outfit, look very good as a United group as well. And yeah, very good performance from Dunloy to put it up to Ballyhale. Incredible, really. Um, so yeah, huge credit to Dunloy and what a memorable year for them. Absolutely, yeah. Like I think to be St Thomas in the semi-finals and obviously getting that win versus Slot Neil as well. And as you said, like their performance in this final was 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 very very good against against this Ballyhale side. Like they definitely 
Random quite close and a lot closer than uh, than people expected. I suppose we'll run through maybe just some preseason talking points really from like the past week or so, and I'll just kind of go through really the results from the the four um, preseason competitions that are in each province. So Cork are obviously um, champions um, of their preseason competition. They won nineteen points to two seven against Limerick. Mayo or Connacht FBD champions, they beat uh, Roscommon 13 points to nine. Longford are O'Byrne Cup champions there, 313. They won 313 to Louds, 12 points. And Derry are McKenna Cup champions. Uh, they won 311 to Tyrone, one five. So I suppose we'll look, you know, I don't want to focus too much maybe on the games as such and or whatever, but maybe from your own perspective from a, a Cork fan, very happy with how your side has looked in preseason. I mean, a big result over Kerry as well, which I suppose doesn't go unnoticed. Yeah, it was nice. It was, it was nice to get a win over Kerry, really. Um, you know, after they hammered us by 22 points, I think it was, in uh, 2021. It was, just, it was just nice to get a win over them. But um, at the same time, I know a lot of people are saying, a lot of people on social media, I think when you look at the past few seasons, this is the only time that people have hyped up Cork so highly. Like even James O'Donnell, who on the football pod during the week, was saying he's he's um, his team to go up other than Dublin in Division 2. And I'm just like, okay, we've, we've, we've performed well against Limerick. We went to Clare, won in Spanish Pine, brilliant. We hammered Kerry, absolutely superb, brilliant. But just take one game, game at a time, I'm thinking. Mead is the focus next week. If we lose that, all the work's gone down the drain from the start of the season. And I think... The signs are good. Kevin Walsh, I've watched Cork now for three games in a row and I'm impressed with what he's done with this team, with his defensive plan. Like um, Cork usually just sit back and then once they get the ball, they break. Uh, Brian Hurley is excellent to track it back and you never thought that would happen. Uh, Stephen Sherlock has been brilliant to track it back as well, as well as scoring. And there's a lot of numbers around the team as well, like Colm O'Connor, Lenny McGuire are forming a telepathic partnership in midfield, which is brilliant. Daniel O'Mahony, superb, Sean Meehan. Like, we have a good base there, but I suppose the Limburg game, the two goals in particular, like, they were sloppy. And I was thinking, if we're going to concede them chances of Jordan Morris or Matthew Costello next week, we're going to we're going to get destroyed in the back line. So we have to be mindful of that as well. Um, but look, the focus, the 100% focus now, I know we won the McGrath Cup, it is a nice competition to win. And yeah, we'll set us well up for the season, but... The main focus now was the first three games of the league. We meet in Parky Cave, which we have to win. There's, there's no other results acceptable. We have to beat Mead in Parky Cave. Kildare, Newbridge, I think, put up a good performance there. Maybe try and sneak a win there. Dublin, get a performance out of that in Parky Cave. That's all you can ask for, for this team in the first three games. But if we lose to Mead next week, all that work at the McGrath Cup will be gone. So the players and fans as well have to be mindful of that, you know. Yeah, like I think, I think yeah, you can never read too much in into these preseason competitions because even Kerry, for example, I mean they're nowhere near their their best side available. Like a lot of those players probably won't play too much uh, in, in the league, to be perfectly honest. Not to take anything away from the victory, I think the way you beat them, you know, looks very good for Cork. But I think at the same time, you can't be reading too far ahead and start putting Cork ahead of the likes of Derry and even Kildare as well. I think it's just a little bit premature considering the progress that those two counties made last season um and looking at some other results there as well like obviously Derry like that was a huge 
result for for them against uh, Tyrone. Like I did see a lot of Tyrone fans on social media not very happy with with their team's performance. But from a dairy perspective, I mean, considering they did have a lot of players away with club commitments with Watty Graham's Glen, the fact they put out a score like that, I mean, that is some statement. It is, yeah, and uh, not many people. I, I feel anyway, um, looking on social media, etc. Not many people are talking about Derry as uh, contenders for Ulster this year or contenders to go up with uh, Dublin. Most people are actually talking about um, Cork, funnily enough, to go up with Dublin. I'm thinking, hold on a minute, Derry just hammered Tyrone without Connor Glass and Emmett Bradley, you know, and those are two incredible midfielders, and you still hammered like Tyrone. Like touching Tyrone a small bit. I know they mentioned on the football pod last week, Paddy Andrews said uh, that uh, Toronto are the team to watch, but it's going to be an interesting year now for them. Um, like Paul Donahue stepped away, Tiernan McCann stepped away, and there seemed to be a bit of positivity growing, and then the result happens on Saturday. I personally didn't watch the game now, but there were some Toronto fans going on about it as if it was the end of the world or something, and, um, you know, yeah. it was um, incredibly bad. But the positive is they're playing Ross Common next week. And I think that's a win there in Division 1. Um, I don't think Ross Common are really a Division 1 side. Look, I think they struggled to beat Sligo in the FBD game and against Mayo didn't really lay a glove on them in some parts of the game. So I think Tyrone, could, that's a game they have to target and go on and win that game. So it'll be interesting about Tyrone. They're on the same side as Monaghan and Derry in the Ulster Championship. I was really, really looking at the draws now last night. It's going to be very interesting like if, if Tyrone meet Derry in the semi-final and repeat of this McKenna Cup game and um, obviously the Ulster game last year, the last thing Tyrone would need is a third defeat or all against Derry, you know? And that would be disastrous for this Tyrone team um, after winning the, straight away after winning the All-Ireland to lose three times. I know Derry have progressed miraculously over the last few seasons, but if Tyrone were to lose to them three times in a row, it would be almost a disaster for them. So they, you have to... You know, yeah, they have to take that in consideration as well. Um, as for the other ones as well, Mayo, like it's going to be Mayo are going to be very interesting this year. Um, like there, there's also Mullen stepping away, Lee Keegan, who are arguably their two best players over the last few years as well. So yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting year for Mayo. How will they adapt? I think they have the right man in charge of Kevin McStay. I think he knows Mayo football inside and out. I think he's the ideal manager for them. So, yeah, good win for Mayo there. Excellent win for Derry, obviously. And for Longford as well. Like, not many people are talking about... Like, a lot of people are talking about Cork's win, Derry's win, Mayo's win. Not many people are talking about Longford's win. And the fact they drew against Mead as well. Like, this Longford team, I think, could be a dark horse hit this year in Division 3. By the looks of them in pre-season. I know a lot of people are thinking, and you know, it's pre-season. We shouldn't be reading too much into it. But when you look at their opponents in Division 3, Cavan, I think, are missing a few players for injury. Westmead might be a bit overhyped with the Italian Cup win. Down look good. I, I will give him that. Down look very good. Uh, Fermanagh looked to be struggling. Tipperary looked to be struggling. Antrim. So I think there are teams there that Longford could beat. And Paddy Christie in charge there as well. You know, anything can happen there. And I looked at the Lynch draw as well. Longford are on the opposite side of Kildare and Dublin. So could they get to an Insta final? You know, that could be a sharp bet there for um Longford fans. Like it would be miraculous if they reached an Insta final. And I think look at their performances in preseason and the fact they've Paddy Christie in, like it's definitely it's definitely an attainable objective for them. 
Yeah, no, like I think they've been very, very impressive in preseason. And it's not like they've just been winning games, like they've been putting huge scores past team as well. Like I think they they absolutely trashed Leash, I think it was as well, in one of their games. So they've looked uh, they've looked very good. Jack says has all of our Mullen Yachta players in uh lots of forward options. So look, that's that's right here. Like it looks like Paddy has got um you know, a lot of the boy, and he also says here Desi Reynolds, some player, McGivney's, Rian Brady's obviously back in as well, um, and others. So, like, he's getting a full boy in, players are, are buying in, and and that's great to see. It is, yeah, and even like long for players and nice stuff, and even look like Rian Brady coming back, Desi Reynolds scored 3 3 yesterday, was which, which which was an incredible scoring return in a Melbourne Cup final. All different players, well, which goes under the radar, was outstanding. And when you look at Longford's young players as well, Joseph Hagen, Jack Duggan are two particular players which I'm going to keep an eye on for this year because Jack Duggan was one of the top scorers in the under 20 All Ireland Championship last season. Joseph Hagen was one of the top scorers in the Sigurdsson Cup last season. So you have two of them going into the panel, Angry and Brady, and more to come as well. That's going to be brilliant for Longford. Daisy Reynolds scored 3 3 as well. Darren Gallagher from midfield is another exceptional player. Mickey Queen is still staying around as well. So Longford actually, for a small county, Longford has some very nice footballers. They have very good players. So I think they'd probably be more taking a punt on, I think, to get to an Inter final at least. And if they get to an Inter final, like they'd go into an All-Ireland series for Longford. But there is the argument as well. I think Tommy Rooney was mentioning off the ball. The same with Sligo. I think Sligo are another team as well. If they, There's the argument that if they reach the provincial finals, they won't get the opportunity of a Italian Cup run. And if Longford were to enter the Talton Cup, then could there be an objective to win the whole thing? You know? And I think it's, again, like, I, I don't know which, which would you rather as a Longford fan. I'm actually wondering, get to a Leinster final against Dublin in Crow Park in front of a big enough crowd or win the Talton Cup? I think Longford fans would actually rather win the Talton Cup now thinking about it, rethink it. So, yeah, it should be an interesting year for Longford. Yeah, maybe Jack, if he's still watching there, can can answer that. And he has actually said uh, Talchin Cup. So there you go. There you go. Um, like, yeah, like getting, cause getting to a Leinster final, like if you're playing Dublin, you know, you're probably going to get beat by nine, ten points anyway, realistically. Like that's at a, that's that, that's really sort of at a minimum. But um, but yeah, um, uh, question for Matthew, what's Cork's best full forward line in, uh, in football in Ireland? Maybe if you want to answer that quickly. With football, obviously, it's Carl Amani, Steve Sherlock and Brian Hurley. That doesn't need um, an explanation. For Hurling, in my opinion, looking at pre-season, I think uh, Jack O'Connor scored a crucial goal against Tipperary in the Munster Senior Hurling League today. So I think he'll go in corner forward. I think uh, Shane Kingston and I think Alan Connolly. I think that's probably the best forward line that uh, Cork put in Hurling. So yeah, it should be an interesting year for both the footballers and the hurlers and can't wait for the new season. Yeah, I suppose we'll maybe touch on some uh, some Sigerson Cup that's been happening the last week as well. So this was the draw for round two. Now some of these games obviously got these games were fixed to play during the week. A lot of them did get cancelled due to um, due to the weather, obviously up and down the country. So in terms of some results, University of Galway beat UCD two eleven to one six, and uh, MTU Cork uh, got the victory against Maynooth University three fourteen. The two eleven and St Mary's beat ATU Sligo one ten to one six. Um, I suppose looking at all the teams there and looking at the teams available, I mean, uh, 
who do you think are the favourites? I think the obvious answer is DCU are. Like, I, I, I actually taught this at the start and then looking at their two results so far. It was unfortunate the Queen's game. I was going to do stats and I was going to watch it, and, but then it ended up in the same day as Limerick and Cork after after getting moved and moved and moved. It was supposed to be Tuesday. Then it was supposed to be Wednesday and then Thursday. And yeah, it was a bit of a mess this week. It was a really broken week of uh, Sigerson Cup action. There was a game on this morning as well. I'm actually not sure the result. I think he also University beat ATU Galway as well, or ATU Johnny Gall this morning. So um, yeah, they're true as well. To round three. So, um, yeah, I think DCU, when you look at their forward line, Larkin O'Dell from Dublin, Robert Finnerty from Galway, Connor Corbett from Cork. To have them three in your college, oh my God, it's incredible. I'd be questioning actually, why did Connor Corbett go up to DCU? You know, all the way from Cork, that's a um, bit of a trick. But um, but anyway, like, and even Robert Finnerty, how did he go get from Galway to Dublin? You know, but um, yeah, I suppose them players can only answer that question. But, um, yeah, some very good performance, especially from uh, the top scorer so far. And I know him personally, Ryan O'Donovan, he scored 10 points in the first game and he scored 10 points in the second game for MTU Cork. So very good performance from him. And uh, he's putting West Cork on the map brilliantly in that competition as well. But overall, I'd have to back DCU to win it when you look at their entire squad and their Dionis as well to do it for um, their former their former uh, colleague who passed away last year, Red Oak Murphy as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like um, University of Galway, like they obviously put up a, a big result against UCD, and I've seen Tom O'Callaghan has been shooting the lights out for them, obviously in the last couple of weeks. So I mean, you can't look past them as well. Like they obviously got that big victory over UL last last season. So um, I mean, you can't rule them out either. You can't no. Like it's, it's, like when you look at the University of Galway, they mostly the Galway youngsters, Tom O'Callaghan and uh, Matthew Tierney are all in the same team. Carl Sweeney, I think he scored two one in the championship so far, which is incredible return. So they'll definitely be up there. I think DCU actually have a stronger panel. I think that'll probably be the final University of Galway against uh, DCU. It's actually interesting how the sides have actually progressed from the semi-final. Like one of the semi-finals from last year, MTU Kerry, are now relegated to the Trench Cup. You know, and how quickly can um, a team's fortunes change in the space of a year? It's incredible. UL, last year's finalists, on the other hand, I think they'll struggle this year. Um, they're without David Clifford and Sean Powder, two of their main players last year, who dragged them kicking and screaming to the final. So I think they look like they're bound to struggle this season. Unfortunately, I think they have nice players, but I think they'll struggle. Ulster University is another one, Aaron. I think they have very good players on paper. They look incredible. So even last year, they looked incredible on paper. But they don't seem to translate on the pitch. I know they won today against ATU Donegal, a very good, um, you know, crucial win today. But you have to feel, they have to be getting into quarterfinals, semi-finals with this group of players. You look at Connor Cushion there, Derek Hanavan, um, Andrew Gilmore. I mean, they're incredible footballers or Lynch and goal. You know, Finn McElroy yeah. as well. Very good players all over the field. So, yeah, I think when you look at strongest squads, you'd have to go Ulster University, University of Galway, DCU, maybe UCD as well. I think Derek Craig from Roscommon is absolutely outstanding for them as well. Uh, Cockle Feely, I think, plays from, from Roscommon. Darren McAlarney from Monaghan. Uh, David Garden from Monaghan. So they have very good players. An interesting one, actually, another Dublin college, TUD. They've won two games on the two so far. Yeah. And they don't they don't seem to have stand-up players as such. Like Mark Lavin is a good player from Dublin and Earringsville. 
Yeah, it should be interesting to see how they progress. They've probably been one of the best performers without having some standout players, if that makes sense. So, yeah, it should be a very interesting uh, competition, but I think the winners will probably come out of either DCU, University of Galway, or possibly Ulster University if they get their performance levels up. Yeah, and like TU Dublin actually beat UL on penalties as well um, a couple of days ago. So that was obviously a, a massive, massive result for TU Dublin. And they are my college as well, the, the college I went to. So I'll certainly be supporting them in whatever way I can and flying the flying the colours for the for the lads. Hopefully we can uh, get the results against DCU and everything else. But yeah, as you were saying there, like definitely performance-wise, really, really good performances. Again, as you said, like not too many players I'd be familiar with, but... At the same time, looking looking very, very good and definitely caused uh, one or two shocks. But ultimately, then, your pick is, is going to be DCU. Yeah, it has to be. Like, when you look at the players on the panel, you look at Paddy Christie. We mentioned Paddy Christie with Longford. He's managed DCU as well. Like, he's yeah. incredible manager. Probably, even even this early on in the year, is probably up for manager of the year. So, yeah, I'd have to go DCU to win it. And uh, just uh, before we finish up, I suppose, I'd like to mention oh, yeah, I'm a UN with... I'm an Erasmus at the moment, but I am currently a UL student, so um, I'll be up for UL. I don't think they'll win it, but I was hoping they'd win it last year. They didn't. Hopefully, um, the local shine on the boys from Limerick this year and uh, they win it. But um, yeah, ultimately it has to be DCU. Yeah, yeah, no, I would agree. I think I think it's between UC, uh, DCU and 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 University of Galway. I think they they by far have the better panels and better squads. Um, but again, you, you never quite know in, in Sigerson Cup sometimes. it's uh, You're putting a lot of different panels together and you, you just don't know. There's always surprises and um, and shocks and everything else. Um, I suppose before we finish up, maybe we'll have club moment of the week. But another thing, maybe I might ask you, what was your club moment of the club championship season? It's obviously a tough one. Yeah. Oh, that's... <laughs> You know what? Because he made that interview on the Late Late Show and Ryan Tuberty made him look like a like a ridiculous interview. I'm just going to give it because out of him, out of him, sympathy really. I'm going to go Lee Keegan winning the Mayo Club title with Westport. I thought that was an incredible moment for me. And uh, yeah, him retiring this week or a few weeks ago as well. Like it was an incredible ending to a brilliant career for Lee Keegan. So yeah, that'll be my moment of the year. Uh, Westport win the Mayo title. The first time ever. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's hard to look past that, really. I mean, you could look at Dunloyd reaching an all Ireland final. I think that's that's probably ranks maybe as one of the moments of the year. You think back to Calm Lavin's point, obviously, for Strokestown, which won the Roscommon football title. Um, trying to think of other ones kind of off the top of my head, but plenty of, you know, Bally Bay putting it up that big win, obviously, against Cross McGlen Rangers was another sort of big, big result to Eric O'Kieran getting over the line in Toronto. I mean, you could really go through all sort of county championships. Um, even Conor Ferris to save today, I think, against Conor Glass. I think, you know, if, if that does go on to be the winner and there is no replay or anything like that, then um, you could arguably even look at a, a moment like that. Definitely moment of the week anyways. Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of, um, you know, get a cork spin on it, as I usually do. I'm trying to think of a cork moment. Um, I suppose... It would have to be down in the Premier Intermediate Championship that Colin Casey goal at the end of it, um, at the end of an incredible double bill between Inascar and Castle Martyr. I think that was definitely up there for a moment of the year, I suppose. 
if you're looking for controversy there, I suppose it was the junior final last week. If anybody watched the game, um, that was definitely up there. The Polly Clifford speech as well was definitely up there. So, yeah, there was a load of moments, a load of controversies, a load of special moments. So, um, yeah, another club season over and the inter-county season is begin- beginning next week. Who would have thought it? Yeah, and uh, Nirvana says, uh, great channel, man. Very much appreciate it. Thank you. Westmead, Cavan prediction. I'd go with Westmead at this moment in time, but I'm sure there will be a preview out at some point uh, during the week. Uh, Jack says, Kerry Jr. final. Clifford equaliser was sensational. They were going to lose and uh, sw- uh, and swings it over. Uh, no bother versus Lister. Yeah, like some of his late scores and and even that junior football final as well. I mean, that was a, a mental final with six red cards. And I mean, Paddy Clifford's um, interview, obviously, well, not an interview, a speech, obviously with, with the trophy. And yeah, like that that whole final, you can nearly look at as, as just a mad sort of bizarre club game of the year, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose like, um, he was saying he should have been sent off, but... I know Paddy Clifford has played outstanding in the year and all that, but come on, it looked like an eye go so like that was that was a um, pretty clear corporate card. And um yeah, he 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 questions the referee. I'm not really a fan of that, but yeah, um yeah, the, the challenge on him, I suppose, would have given uh, I think who mentioned I think um yeah, someone was mentioning anyway last week, um he was kind of half concussed making that uh, speech, so yeah, yeah, that was probably that was probably um, a suggestion there, but um, yeah, definitely that was um, definitely a mental moment, and as well, I suppose um, maybe another moment. I think actually Bally Giblin winning the junior title in hurling last week, and then putting up a banner. This was for you, Paddy Palmer. I think that was up there with a uh, moment of the year. Yeah. Rest in peace, Paddy Palmer. Brilliant moment for that. So yeah, a lot of moments to keep your eyes on. Yeah, and that and that even reminds me as well to even when Kilroan McDonough's um in the in the Tipperary hurling final, obviously where they they they, they sort of did a, a moment of silence and laid their helmets down in the same area of Sample Stadium where Dylan Quirk tragically passed away. So yeah, you could you could look at that as a as another sort of moment of the moment of the year as well. But yeah, look, we'll we'll go ahead and wrap this up here. Cheers, Matthew, for uh for, for coming on and um yeah, I'm sure, obviously, you might be starting up your own podcast maybe soon. So where can uh, people check that out if they're looking for it? Yeah, um, Spotify, YouTube. I'm actually starting to do live streams. I did a live stream on the Cork Limerick game the other day. I know it was the most boring game. Really. I know Cork won it, but it was a uh, boring quality. But I'm hoping to do a live stream now for Mayo and Galway on Saturday night as well. So um, if you can all tune into that on my channel, GA Statsman, that'd be much appreciated. Follow my Instagram, GA underscore underscore Statsman. Same on Twitter. And um, yeah, a few TikToks as well here and there. So um, yeah, follow all those accounts. Brilliant, brilliant. Perfect. Well, cheers for coming on. And uh, yeah, if anyone tuning in could leave a like, subscribe, uh, let us know what you thought of the, of the weekend's results. And uh, we'll speak to you all soon.